0: It is the morning of the 18th of July, 2019. Good morning and welcome to PBE Daily, the early mornings and late nights podcast. My name is Point banking Wimby. Thank you for joining me this morning. As I can firmly say today, and I think my voice actually will attest to that fact, I am rested. I actually took the time to actually literally just let myself pass out. Yesterday evening was spent doing nothing but having an awesome conversation with a with a friend and that conversation I think better informed that, that which I was trying to do with myself which is try to rejuvenate my creative energies and the only way to do that was to not be creative at all but just to allow myself to be in the moment which is probably one of the most underrated forms of of cure if if you will like I arrived home early I had my dinner early and I just sat and that's all I did. like A, a few episodes of uh, um, The Patriot Act on Netflix, and after that, I just sat down, and just let myself be in, a, in, in in the comfort of hope, because I was, I've been debating countless things, like, would I take myself out of this space so that I don't think about potentially creating something? Do I stay in this space and just accept the fact that I am of this space, and I occasionally will use this space to my advantage? It's one thing to be creative in your own house it's completely another when you weaponize it and I think to a certain extent I kind of weaponized the way the comfort zone that I've put for myself is but rest assured I got to actually be free and the night that I had I actually think I slept better than I've slept in the last few days and it better informs the reason why after being so vested in a particular project that maybe the best thing you could do for yourself is just not do any project regarding your mind putting things into perspective as far as illustration is concerned and even as a result of that um the weekend that passed i spent that weekend watching material from recently made films and stuff like that and especially as a person with a Netflix account, there's countless movies that have actually come out in the last couple of days and those particular movies, the, the only things that I've actually consciously gone to have been the stand-up specials that have been released recently and it's by different people who haven't watched their stand-ups in quite, quite a while. And away from that, I've, I've been curious about certain European comic books. And as a, as a person who's curious about those particular comic books, like for example, there's one called Undertaker. I haven't read a single page, but I have looked at the artworks that the, the artist actually created and um i think his name is ralph Meyer, and his his work he's a french artist and his work arcs back to the kind of work that moebius used to create as far as the comic book blueberry i mean the rendering that they do and i think for, for the artists you'll probably understand this the rendering shading technique that is mostly used in the states is very sharp line diagonal and horizontal use of lines whenever you're making the shading of those particular artworks in europe there's a lot of curve in the way the artwork is rendered and great use of space uh countless number of panels and stuff like that i think that is a, a commonplace way of uh, of illustrating especially from the iconic books from the 80s and i think late 70s and stuff like that but from the 80s in particular if you look at the way the panels in, in watchmen were they have at least nine panels plus in, in a particular comic book. It wasn't like the American comic books at the time where most of the panels were, were individual characters. You'd have many thought bubbles here and there. But even in the 90s, it was mainly just splash pages and very few, if not many, word bubbles here and there. So, I'm, I'm, as you could tell, this is clearly informing my return to potentially doing another comic book in the next couple of days. And since I know that I have th- those in my docket, I... I will eventually act back and actually do that so as a way of healing myself and learning myself I've been delving into film a lot I'm watching films from uh, gone ages and trying to be educated on that take for example yesterday I was talking about horror films and horror genre and how the horror genre has been taking its steps and taking its strides to actually grow, but I, I then found this uh, doc, uh documentary series done on uh, by the BBC and was shared on 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 YouTube. I hope they don't mind that that person shared that particular clip. And if I knew a service where well, I would actually pay f- to watch BBC One and watch the documentary stuff online. At, at I'd clearly pay for it and I'd gladly do the same same goes for Frontline PBS if if there's a way you could come up with a service that serves Kenya uh, Kenya and East Africa for for that matter I would gladly put the coins aside to do that I mean why, why, why would I spend that money on a beer when I could spend it on watching documentaries think about that and as I was watching that documentary talking about films and as far as horror films are concerned the thing that actually stood out was when they said how the complacency that has existed in films thereafter because the thing is the horror has had such great strides and rises and then when it became possible to actually do great horror films on a lower budget especially in the age of the internet that things plateaued as far as how the creativity that people would have for film would be put together I mean I remember when I was in college the, the, the film that actually really hit me hard two films that i remember from that period that actually stuck with me for the longest time one of them was the exorcism of emily rose because that one literally i watched it in broad daylight i kid you not but it still tripped me out because of how well the actress and the story was cared to and that you don't get that often aside from that there was another film and it was the blair witch project and the rabbit hole that was created by the blair witch project having a the point of view or first-person visual of our film changed everything because then it led to countless series of films that came thereafter and even big-budget companies started making films in that particular way where you're actually stuck in the eyes of the person who's actually experiencing the show in the presence of the moment. Now, with where technology is going right now, can you imagine reaching a level where you could have these... um, virtual reality lenses that actually immerse you in film and I'm certain that somebody is working on this because if there, if a, a project like Bandersnatch can be created where you could actually help dictate how the story unfolds and you get the ending that you want, imagine being immersed in a film where you're actually a part of the film as it goes because I've been watching these different podcasts that they've been talking about how Disneyland and the Disney World area in Florida has been changing because now there's actual virtual spaces where you could put certain glasses on and you watch walk into certain spaces and the spaces you're walking in is actually the world in the films and the universe is created therein and it acts back to this uh, moment I, I remember watching in a movie called Valerian it wasn't really big and no one really paid much attention to it in fact the, my ex girlfriend was the person who actually told me about this film and she wanted to watch it specifically because of A the literature behind it because I think she had read the comic books and B because the the actress in the film is one of our favorite actresses and I'm not ashamed to say that because this particular character like she she was very very well read and she was she was into most most specifically she was one of the Harry Potter like disciples and but this particular one was something in sci-fi which I never expected her to be a fan of and that she went into that big shout out to that and and Quick side note, and I know this is another rabbit hole within a rabbit hole, but I'll go. I'll go back to what I'm really trying to talk to talk about today. I think I saw in the audience in the last concert that I did, and m- maybe it's because it was odd that I wasn't wearing my glasses that day. But even though my energies were off, I think, I think, I think I saw that face in the crowd, and maybe that was something that actually better informed to what extent I could push myself in the in the performances as far as being the hype man for the night. That aside, tomorrow's a, another concert night, so we'll see how that plays out coming back to actually the the whole idea of film and after watching the whole documentaries about horror films and horror genre and all that i've moved away from that and the new curiosity that i have right now is crime films and and basically films from the 1970s and the 1970s i think was when the rebellion from hollywood started and when i say rebellion from hollywood i mean this hollywood in the 1970s I think in its first century, that's been up until the 2000s. A lot of movies that were being created were big budget films and you had a studio behind it and all that. And in the 2000s, as we stand right now, even the, the sitcom uh, template is not really working because now anyone can make their own TV show with the comfort of their own phone take for example the fact that i'm recording a podcast with a microphone that i bought online and a phone that literally just that diff- it's a working computer for for crying out loud i mean if i take this particular android phone that i'm using and i gave it to a person from the 1970s they would completely own the world i think and i remember even seeing uh, a series i think it was called jungle love I'm, I'm, i may be mistaken but it was a fully recorded series using mobile phones and that that is actually an innovation that exists is a totally different ball game. Uh the fact that the, the world of film is now fully controlled by people who can make films in the comfort of their own homes and another thing and I think the filmmakers who may be listening or the people who are curious to actually write or create films you should know this a lot of the photographers and uh, photographers and uh film directors who used cameras that came out 10 years ago are upgrading to the newest versions of the actual cameras. I'm talking the Canons and the Nikons and, and all those and they're selling off their old cameras. My suggestion the wheel isn't broken. It's just not up to date with the kind of tech that they use in the current age. A new rising and a new renaissance for film could be born from you purchasing these old cameras i for one purchased a camera which i i have not used it yet i haven't even bought a memory card for it yet because the time to actually use it the way that i would like to hasn't come but i'm going to enjoy playing with that thing when the time comes and in fact i think i'm going to just look at it for a few seconds when, when i finish this recording and the idea that i'm trying to put across is this there is a place to be made for the kind of films that you actually would like to create in the way you want to create them and i know for a fact knowing the different people i know from the different networks of, of of people who work in cinema and cinema releases shout out to movie Jabba and everything that movie Jabba does you could literally get screen time for an actual film of your own creation locally i think this is actually that is potentially possible the film board will have to be dealt with this much, I can't I can't really control that situation because that goody-goody two-shoes who sits on the top of that board, whatever, man, like, it is what it is. And as a guy who's working on a, on a 2D animation film, I would like to, by the time I finish making this 2D animation film, be able to make even greater strides on live action and the, whatever scripts I write thereafter. Because I'm, I'm diving into the 1970s in particular because I feel like the decade, but right before the years of my birth was when a revolution happened as far as film i recommend you listen to another podcast i think it's called no i know it's called um you must remember this and it's done by Karina longworth and it covers the first 100 years of film in hollywood and how hollywood used to do things the 1970s and it's something I've actually noticed when I, on the first film I downloaded to watch uh, yesterday after because during lunch hour since we, the beautiful thing about the workspace I work in, they actually make the, the food in-house so you don't have to leave to go fetch out and find what you're going to have as a meal so as you sit in the office, probably find yourself a film to watch as an intermission to return to the actual work you should do in that one hour uh, of taking a break. And the movie that I'm, I'm, um, I'm, I'm a few minutes in is a movie called The French Connection and it's the first of the of the, of the the French Connection films and when I was watching it something that actually stood out for me I will give no spoilers whatsoever but one thing I, I'll, I'll say is this the narrative technique where you could have the two lead characters talk about a specific individual who they are trying to tail because it's a police show and the character they are tailing the narrative is shared by uh, the conversation between the two detectives and just seeing this the character walking around the city and it doesn't have this whole camera steady and sitting in one position but the camera looks like it's interacting with the characters it's moving around them it's like you're standing right next to the guy and you are watching him move away from this particular door and who sits in the car and then be sitting in a car behind the, the detectives watching them actually drive to the, the place where they're following this this individual driving through far, uh, alleyways and ferryways just finding this person and the 1970s, when you look at those particular, like, like that particular film, affected me in this way. It looked like comic book panels flowing the entire time. And seeing as the first comic book I ever released as an as a, as a writer and illustrator was a 1970s comic, it doesn't it doesn't surprise me that it's, a, it's a, that I went for the noir black and white type storytelling in that period. And I know it's been years since I released another Home Guard, but I intend to write another Home Guard and release it. Uh, it's the price you pay when you're trying to make more than one one dream come true at at a certain time and bearing in mind what what happened the last couple of weeks we're going to base this thing as best as possible because i feel it will find its audience when it finds its audience and for those who've been with it since day one please bear with me there's a reason why i take a while with certain things now the 1970s was also a rebellious period from how Hollywood used to do films because the middle class became that which was being told the story of and I think also the 1950s and 60s were informed by the different wars that America and Europe were going through at the time and especially America because I think that was the 60s was, was during the time of Vietnam, I'm not really sure but I need to get back into my history research and all that and I remember stuff that I've watched from that period and some of the stuff that I watched from that period include a TV show called MASH and it was... Re- rewatches of, of this show are being played on local television in Kenya in the 1990s and we actually used to watch a lot of this stuff before we go to bed. I mean, we knew school was the next day and we were stubborn to go to bed and I'm sure some of us got whoopings because of it. But one of those shows actually kind of informed that and the whole jungle green look of, of being in the in the jungle trying to take care of, uh, of, of war veterans as MDs Kenya doesn't really have that whole post-war existence as far as our our grandparents talking about the war and what they did in that period. Because, again, a, a couple of times, I think, I may have mentioned, if I haven't mentioned it, let me put it out there right now, that I believe there's an ancestor I have who actually fought in the Second World War. And he shares the name with one of, the, uh, of my late uncle's, and his situation was the fact that he actually went to fight in a war that had nothing to do with him, but because we were trying to make sure the family was okay, he went and fought in a war. But these are also narratives. I'm probably just coining that for, to make sense of the situation, because why would I go fight for King George V or King George the Sixth? and I don't even know this guy from Jesus. But building of empire is one thing. And that actually informed something that I actually listened to a few minutes ago, and it was the gold rush of the American West is where the Western film, as far as the 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 guys with the six shooter were concerned, like the, the shooter map movies were born from that. And now think about that and think about the gold rush period that happened here in Africa and Rhodesia and Cecil Rhodes, the bastard and everything he did in in the Empire Building. I mean add that to Leopold uh the second and what he did in the Congo. And the funny thing is I mean, England had dibs for the Congo way before Leopold had dibs for the Congo and I'm not even going to try and speculate to give justification to the building of empire that was happening for the UK because Victoria can kiss my ass, pardon my French. So we come back to the whole 1970s films and yes, the first couple of films I'm going to probably jump into as far as the research and the watching I'm going to do, I'm going to movies from the States. And since I'm starting with the French connection, clearly the whole idea of crime and mob bosses is the first place I've gone, but I'd hoped to deviate from that because there's something my late brother used to do prior to his his passing away. And that which he did was, instead of watching that which is considered the template of film, he'd watch everything that is left field of that. My bro is always going to be the one person who defined rebellion from status quo. Because he figured out that European films were the place where we had... It was like this utopia that it was the Eldorado we refused to pay attention to. And I think I'm going to start, yes, in the 1970s, but I'm going to start with European films. I'm going to have to learn how to read quickly and, and read subtitles as I watch this film. So I'm going to be diving into 1970s films in that period of of, of uh, post-war and, and Cold War and all that. But I want to watch how 1970s films are done in Europe because Europe... The, i don't think i give them enough attention yet i'm a country i'm a citizen of a country that was actually colonized by europe and not colonized by the united states and so bearing that in mind i'm going to be diving into 1970s films a lot and so some of the the references i'm going to give or i'm going to talk about for the next couple of weeks are probably going to be informed by that and i think i'm going to be working my way backwards in decades because i also want to dive into the noir films that are actually would better inform the way I deal with lighting as far as my comic book panels are concerned. Now, Get Carter is another movie that I know was made in the 70s UK, okay, and I think I watched a remake of it. I, I do intend to actually I could dive back into watching this stuff. Saturday and I think Sunday night, I finished watching the remake of, with Samuel L. Jackson of Shaft. So, as you can see, subconsciously, I am already diving into these particular realms of the kind of films that are going to be, be watched. But, Europe, I think, is best going to inform uh, the sensitivities that should give the way film is short and the way film film, film film should be written, if you will. So, with that in mind, I'm thinking about how... I mean, even the visual I made for this episode was a visual from The French Connection, but I drew a street in Nairobi in the background as a hovering element. But... I've always said that my city, Nairobi, is stuck in time, and it's stuck in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. And I think if I found certain structures, I'll actually make a fully existing film in those spaces. But I think certain narratives to be written to actually make the story come out right. And I also don't want to put all the basis of the kind of storytelling that I would do on crime films, because I think crime, doing that crime will exist forever, maybe the underbelly of some of the stories I should tell is probably the stories of love and the stories of affection and not lust and granted my imagination thrives on lust but (coughs) we're going to have to learn how to better ourselves by not reducing ourselves to our baser senses but it is what it is so the periods of the kind of literature that was made in in that time which is the 1970s also kind of affects how we treat narratives today I mean take for example Television was a very powerful tool in the 1990s and the 1980s in Kenya and it best informed and best educated how people would see what a star was in our lives but you you couldn't fiscally ma- make the money or, as a star but as far as the accolade you'd be given it was a different thing altogether I mean even radio in that period was actually a different story altogether because a radio personality was a person who broke the record and made the record become the hugest thing in the world. Right now that's neither here nor there, and I'm looking at how narrative telling is, take, is being taken to the next level, as far as film is concerned, and as far as the writing is concerned. So, as I sharpen my tools, starting with decade after decade of storytelling, I'm going to see to what extent I can actually pu- push this research that I do of that period. So, the written world and the and the f- recorded word is where my my curiosities are at the moment, and by going decades back, I think it will best, it, best inform how I should do the stories that will come thereafter. And the one thing I don't want to do is reduce myself to actually like copying or mimicking the kind of tales that have been told before. I mean, there's a way to tell the stories because it's all broken telephone, but there's a way to tell these stories. And in the height of the anti-hero period, I think I'm trying to avoid doing the very same thing in that regard. Because take, for example making a love interest in a particular comic book that I've, I've talked about here, Home Guard. I'm trying to find a way to make sure that certain uh lines that I've been seeing drawn in the sand are changed, if you will. Because the the different things that I'm actually tackling as far as being an adult in the nineteen in, in the year two thousands is the the residual effects of the fact that in the 1960s and the 1950s we were being told to think along tribal lines and now as a fully grown adult to to, to walk away from something that was being subconsciously and consciously being ingrained into you the orientation that I have is I'm unlearning a lot of stuff and as I'm unlearning that sometimes the best way to unlearn these things is to actually watch stuff from a period that informed what led to how you learned your existence right and I don't think my papa was a person who was really big into films. He, he was more big into reading and listening. So I think my curiosity about documentaries was born from him, and my curiosity about folklore and faith is born from mum. But it's I think, it's just that which they they birthed within me in my genes. So we'll we'll will we'll leave that in that uh, hovering in the air in that particular period. But the kind of films that I'm I'm, I'm looking to dive into. Will better inform the way I write, because even the way I speak is always informed, and it arcs back to how people spoke prior to the the excessive slangs that even happened in the 1970s, 1960s, and the 1980s, and in the 2000s, in the period where I grew up, our slangs change every 24 hours, and. Every neighborhood has its own slang. And now those slangs are traversing the world because, hey, by the click of a button, you could literally put up a tweet and the whole world will hear a slang from your neighborhood and it becomes a thing. Wrap your mind around that, why don't you? And that being said, I still feel there's there's a certain sensitivity and command that should be given to language. And it's the reason why I could have done this podcast in the way... I conduct uh, even the the rapping that I rap. When I rap, I rap in. It's borrowed from the United States, in the sense of like the the New York, specifically the boroughs of Brooklyn. That kind of rap style is where my style of rap is is informed, and even the way my cadences will happen in that rap style, I will do it in that technique. However, when I make contribution contributions to the TV show Live 360, I do them in this tone and in this level of eloquence because the craft should be best represented to older and younger generations in a position of professionalism and in that which people coin as professionalism it's it's the it's the hilarious factor that when whenever this entire week when I when I saw the red carpet for the lion king and um uh, magical dialogue with the background and everything and the, everyone keeps on talking about like yo. Everybody needs to start show their uncle this image of Jay Z with the hairdo that he has, and that how that hairdo is the hairdo of a billionaire. And I'm like, yeah, he can afford to have that hairdo. I'll say it again, he can afford to have that hairdo because in his initial days as a rapper he had a short haircut <laughs> i hate how people want to talk about a person who has reached a point of success but they don't want to talk about how he act up to that success i mean granted lost boys did their thing with their with the dreadlocks and everything i mean to each his own i accept that however if you're going to start comparing yourself to multi-billionaires i mean i mean it starts in the mind and then you become the person but let's have a degree of practicality and an executionable, uh, and a, and an executionable plan. A plan worth executing, sorry. <laughs> a plan worth executing in that regard. And the different rabbit holes I've gone into right now just lead back into this. Narrative hasn't really existed. I can't really say that I know one specific story, which I would literally say that that is the quintessential Kenyan story. But I know it's on its way. I do know it's on its way because most of the time when I look at films, like yes, were, the crime ones are the ones that come and pop into our imaginations first, but the disenfranchised only see one person who's successful and that's the thug or that's the crook or that's the swindler or the big businessman. But in our case, and this is going to be have undertones of political uh, talk, every last one of our political leaders is a crook. Every last one of them wrap your head around that why don't you? And then when you look at that and I mean I mean look at look at it this way. this is the best way I can describe that situation. The perfect retirement plan for recording artists in Kenya right now is to join politics. The perfect retirement plan for a person who's a media personality is to join in politics. The perfect retirement plan for a person who uh, is vested in potentially being a superstar politics. No cap, they just make their money and just walk away. Think on that. So, the narrative of the family unit is non existent because, like, there's an entire generation that was raised with single parents, and there's a whole other generation that's coming after that based upon the same, same situations. But I feel there's a place for good storytelling. And as a person who a couple of months back wrote narratives of chapters like footnotes for certain chapters in story I'd like to see where my mind goes when it comes to this particular material that I actually come across next but we'll see where this goes but as we as we stand the 1970s here I come I'm going to be diving into that stuff and see what's best is going to come from it and I think after my event tomorrow and I take the break from everything so I could just be lazy so I can create better next week we'll see where my mind goes from there say it with me be Caesar or be nothing at all thank you so much for listening to this particular episode shout out to the different guys who actually take the time to actually share this episode with their friends and the different people who's giving me shout out so i'm gonna give you a shout out sir because you did me a solid this morning seeing text messages from you as a friend and to see facebook posts of for of, of, of you supporting my work i gotta give it up to you tsunami studios on hato thank you very very much for putting the word out and actually putting me in a position that you've put me in as far as giving the respect and and blessing that is helping me build an audience for the work that i create big up to you sir love and respect hi people until the next time we record be good be safe god bless peace out